Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! Ha, ha, ha. You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Walleyes, cutting edge outdoors with your hosts, myself, Tom Newbauer, and my cohort. He's over there. That's Danny Bush. I hope he's paying attention this morning, wide awake. And of course, we got Sam Schmitz on the boards. Hey, folks, we're glad to have you with us this morning. And we're here with you every every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. We're live. So you never know what's going to happen. But if you want to be part of the show, all you got to do is give us a call at 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Tom. Now, I, a little bit ago what you said, I, you hope I was paying attention. So I got news for you, buddy. I'm but. so poor. I'm so poor I can't pay attention. Oh, God. <laughs> your jokes are getting as bad as now, mine. Now, if that was your joke, Tom, you'd be har, 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 falling off your chair laughing at your own joke. I don't know if I'd laugh at that one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you would. Hey. Oh, there we go. You got a little applause here. Hey, uh, we got an email. To, just to clear things up, remember when we were talking about lawyers... And we didn't know uh, lawyers, eel pout, freshwater cod, link cod. What's her? What's her real name? The real name uh, for those fish is called a burbot. That was sent in to us by Jeff on an email, and uh, Jeff looked it up and he said that's the actual name that they go by is eel pout. But all the other names are like local names. So, so the real so name is that, burbot, that, huh? The real name is burbot. Yes, we got that cleared up. I think I think I said that last week. Did you? Yes, I did. I didn't. Let's know replay that. the show. I think I said the actual name. I think is Burbot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And if I didn't say it, I'm going to say I did anyway. Now, just to <laughs> be as smart as you, Tom. Yeah. And you know, in this last week, I heard uh, a guy fell through the ice and drowned. Older fella. Um, I forget where it was. And then uh, a, a kid fell through the ice in Marquette County, I think it was, just this week, and drowned. And uh, a, a fellow that I know, 
uh, older gentleman, was out on a local lake, and he saw some people fishing out there and that, and he walked out to this area, and uh, he was asking some guys as he's walking out, oh, how thick is the ice? Oh, it's a good five, six inches. But he get out to an area, and he makes two turns of his hand auger, and it went right through the ice. He was standing in an area that was more like an inch and a half to two inches. So he backed off, and uh, he said, I, and he said to these guys, I thought the ice was five to six inches. And they said, yeah, most of it, but there's some, you know, spots that it's a little less. So that's just a reminder to, to be careful in areas, you know. Somebody tells you it's so so thick. Yeah, it might be where they are, but maybe not where you're walking. So just so, thought I'd bring that up. I got a story. My uh, cousin, Stephen, many years ago, he lived in Duluth. He used to fish the... Uh, St. Louis River, where he and I both had secret spots for giant pike. But he went out there to try and ice fish, and he tested the water, you know, the ice on the shoreline, and it was good. And he walked way out into uh, into the, uh, actually, the river kind of becomes kind of a bay. I think they call it Spirit Lake at that point, because it becomes widened and really big. So he walks Probably, I don't know, at least a half a mile, maybe a mile, way the heck out in the middle of nowhere. There's no one ice fishing there. And he gets into this deep channel. We used to troll for walleyes. And he did like you said, Tom. He did one turn of the hand, hand auger and he's right through. And then the water starts running up on top of the ice and starts sagging. And he said he was never so scared as in his life because... He literally was out in the middle of nowhere, it's 20 foot plus deep, river current, and he actually got on his belly and slowly started crawling, just started crawling, and that's all he could do, and he's getting wet as he's crawling, because water on the ice, it's sagging, and long story short, he made it to safety, but he said he thought he, heart was in his throat, heart pound, thought he was dead. You know, that's so, man, good. you can, yeah, you're right. That's you just good... you got to be careful. You got to think about where you're going. Yeah, uh, you know, if if like here on Pewaukee, you know, if I, sure I'm fishing out here, but I wouldn't go in front of that dam over there. So you got to kind of have common sense and figure out where the water flows are. Know that there's some spring holes, and uh, yeah, just a little bit of a uh, little bit of caution there. Yeah, if the ice is that thin, that's a good point that you brought up that he did that he laid laid down and crawled out on his belly because. If you can spread your weight out over a bigger area, you have less chance of going through than if he just walked out. So that was good that he did that, even though he got wet, you know. It was good yeah. that he did that, yeah. Plus, if he went in while face down, maybe you'd die quicker. It wouldn't be quite so painful. I don't know. Oh. Uh, hey, I want to met, mention, Tom, a, a, uh, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, the uh, legendary musky angler, the road troller, Tom Gelb, oh, passed sure. away. He oh, did he eight, really? Oh. Yeah, he was 85 years old. He uh, wrote for Muskie Hunter magazine. He also wrote a book called uh, Muskie Strategy uh, in 2012. I guess it's considered one of the best, most detailed muskie books ever published. So my friend Troy Woodrow out there listening is now going to go online and, and order that book, I'll bet. Something to read during the cold winter. He had got two giant ones, as you recall. He got the 53-inch... 51 pound two ounce fish in 2006 and then he followed it up the next year and got a 52 and three quarter 48 pounder so yeah. what was the name of that book again 
It's uh, titled Musky, M-U-S-K-Y, Strategy. Yeah, 2012 hey, it came you. out, and uh, you know what? I guess perhaps uh, I might have to pick that up and read. Uh, I got to keep reading to keep the mind sharp here. So uh, Yeah, I think I'm going to uh, check that out on eBay, try to find one and order it or Amazon or someplace. Yeah, well, then maybe I'll be cheap and let you buy it first on eBay. Wait, wait for you to give it to me. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> there you go. That's my next... line, though. <laughs> I was what? Oh yeah. That. <laughs> well, that's 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 normally your department, Tom. Yeah, that's my line. That's I, that's that's my spot. But but I I've been learning from you. <laughs> well, that's good. We all got to save a few bucks. You know, uh, we're we're going to be getting another uh, uh, COVID check again, I guess, from the government. But, we are. Uh, yeah, I guess we're getting another one. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> What, I, what I'm doing to support the economy, my friend, is uh, that first $600 check. Uh, I'm stocking up on as much ammunition as I can. I'm going to go buy $600 worth of, uh, worth of ammo uh, and do my best to stimulate the economy, by golly. The way the world's going, yeah, that's, I think that's my plan, buddy. Well, I think uh, my wife and I are going to get a new kitchen floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Can 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 everybody, all our listeners out there, say it all at once? Boring. I know it was boring. <laughs> boring, my friend. Yeah. yeah well, I need well, I need some. I need. I got so many of my hunting rifles now, and ammo's been so hard to come by. So I'm gonna scarf up whatever I can and stock up for the next uh, twenty years of my life hunting seasons. Yeah. Hey, did you read where? Uh... Uh, buckshot is not legal anymore in Wisconsin to use uh, for whatever. Well, it was never legal for deer. Right, never legal for deer. But I guess guys used it, used it for coyotes, fox, a few other things. But did you read that, right? No, I didn't read that. Oh. Since when? Uh, that just came out in the Wisconsin Outdoor News magazine. Because uh, a friend of mine years ago, years ago, did use buckshot for coyote. Right. And uh, right. I've actually got a couple buckshot rounds laying around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as far as like I read that they're uh, they're gonna ban it for a while. I don't know oh. why. I didn't read the whole article. I just read the first little bit that. Well, that that would be that. interesting to check into. Now I don't know why they would ban it for coyotes. Matter of fact. Uh, I've got an article, actually I have a book, and uh, maybe I'll uh, get a hold of it later and read some more from it, uh, but it talks about uh, a guy who actually used to whack some coyotes at close range and uh, with goose loads. So oh, you can sure. use a goose load, and uh, I think it was an incidental kind of a deal, um, although maybe he was intentionally hunted, predator hunting with the, but if you get a three inch magnum goose load and you get a coyote close enough, yeah, you can whack a coyote with that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I think so. I got a, another, uh, something else that happened. Um, where was it? Oh yeah. Down in uh, Texas at Sam Rayburn Lake, this fellow's fishing in a tournament. Not not one of the real big ones, but a decent one. You know, he won eight thousand dollars. So, anyway, he caught 
five, it was a five fish limit, five bass limit. You know what he weighed in for five fish? 40 pounds, 10 ounces. That's an eight-pound average. One of the bass he caught was 11 pounds. And and he said he caught them all within 20 minutes. So being as, <laughs> being as my ADHD was kicking in, did you say Sam Rayburn Reservoir? Yeah, Sam Rayburn Lake Reservoir, whatever, yeah. Is that in... Arkansas or Texas or what, where is te- that? That's in Texas. It is in Texas. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Forty that... pounds for five fish. Un- yeah, he said he caught them in the first twenty minutes, and then he went and weighed in, and then just sat back the rest of the day. So, so, so let me let me ask you this, Tom, because you fished tournaments before. Now this this is like winning the Powerball, basically, to be able for this to happen, because most uh, anglers. I mean, you scrape and scratch to the very last minute and right. hang in there by the skin of your teeth to win one of these tournaments. But is it possible that he just found that one honey hole that had a, a group of bigger sized bass congregated and he got them with the right pattern, boom, 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 and it was that quick? Is that yeah. possible? That's exactly what happened to him. As a matter of fact, many years ago, uh, fishing, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember if it was a tournament or an outing or what the hell it was, but uh, it was one of the BASS uh, uh, club deals. Anyway, and we were on Lazy Lake, and um, it's more of a, a widening of a river. Anyway, and one of the fellows in the group, he caught five bass, and his weight was something like twenty-five or twenty-six pounds. It was just, just. I mean, for Wisconsin, that's just unreal. You know, that's just, just awesome. So I guess it can be done. And I've heard on Pewaukee Lake in recent years, there's a couple of fellas who got the smallmouth dialed in in May, and there's a bass tournament in May on uh, Pewaukee Lake. And those guys will regularly bring in over 20 pounds. As a matter of fact, no, I take it back, it's over 25 pounds for six fish. So, you know, they're doing something right too, you know, so... I, uh, fact, I, I think one time might have been thirty, but anyway. I talked. I talked to those guys. Uh, maybe, geez, uh, almost twenty years ago when I was working at the musky shop, and these guys had won the smallmouth tournament, and they came back in showing me pictures of some six-pound smallmouth that yeah. they had just caught, and they were catching them off the white condos on the west end, uh, probably drop shotting. They were fishing down deep. And uh, they, they were honest about They told me about where they were fishing. And when I'd be out trolling for muskies, I'd see these dudes. But they, uh, they told me that they had, I think, won with a five-fish limit of, of 26 pounds. Yeah. And mostly smallmouth. Yep. So. Yeah, they, uh, they had them dialed in. They, as far as I know, they still do have them dialed in. And maybe other people found out about it, too, though. It can be done, my friend. And uh, when we come back from our break, Thomas, I got a fishing story to tell you. All right. That sounds great. So everybody stay tuned. Looking forward to Danny Bush's fishing story. Stay tuned. Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors radio show. I'm Dan Bush, along with Hall of Fame, well, 
he's uh, he should be in the Hall of Fame angler, Tommy the True Neubauer. Uh, we want to thank all our listeners out there. We always make it a point to say we support the badge. So we thank the law enforcement officers out there, healthcare workers, military, first responders, and everybody else out there. We really appreciate what you do, and we appreciate our listeners. And uh, if you like our show, uh, we appreciate you uh, uh, patronizing our sponsors. Let them know you heard about us, uh, them, on the Cutting Edge Outdoors show. So, uh, Tom, I, I got some more ice fishing reports, buddy. All righty. So here you go. Uh, so last week I was talking about how on the east end of Pewaukee Lake, I, my first fish was uh, a nice northern pushing 33 inches. Then I caught a couple smaller ones, and uh, then I uh, lost the uh, giant muskie with the epic battle out here, broke the line. Not that I'm fishing for muskies, but I would have liked to seen how long that thing was. Anyway, uh, this week I have a first out here, Tom. For the first time in my life, I caught a walleye through the ice on Pewaukee Lake, buddy. All right. It, How big yeah. was it? Yeah. I was out here with my buddy, uh, Arizona Joe, crazy Arizona Joe, and his girlfriend, Amy. And, uh, yeah, actually, um, it was 19.5 inches, by golly. It made the cut. So, All right. I hate to say it, Tom Kep and the walleyes guys will be disappointed in me, but I did fillet it up, just as the first and only one I'm going to keep. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. Now, here's what I notice out there, and uh, I talked to others. My brother used to do a lot of uh, night fishing for walleyes, tip-up fishing, with an old-timer out on uh, Pike Lake back in the day when he was uh, living in West Bend. And he basically said, you got to go with really finesse tactics, light mono or some kind of light line, tiny, teeny, tiny treble. He said they can't, you got to have super smooth tip-ups, probably the polar ones would be best. He said they'll drop it if they feel any resistance. So here's what was going on, Tom. We were getting some some drive-bys where the, where the tip-up would go up and then, you know, no, no line would really run off, but then we'd look at the... Uh, the shiner and it'd be missing some scales but we were using 20 pound fluorocarbon and the largest shiners i could get because i like to catch those big pike right mm. and uh i'm figuring that those must have been drive-bys by walleyes and the one that we caught hung on just enough to get caught by by the hook in the corner of the mouth and uh we did manage to get it so now i'm gonna downsize and, and actually have a set of tip-ups where when it starts to get dark, I'm going to go from the bigger stuff for the pike to the walleye stuff, and we'll see what happens. But it would be really cool to catch a 10-pound walleye through the ice. I've caught, you know, not bragging, but I've got plenty of 10-pound walleyes in open water on the Bay of Green Bay. But pulling one of those things through the ice, I think, would really be cool. Yeah, my, uh, my son Nick was out. Well, last week, Saturday, he had his two kids out, and they were catching a lot of bluegills, a lot of crappies, but most of them smaller, but some decent, and uh, and they caught a few northern pike, you know, no legal ones, but close, and uh, now this, uh, during the week, he, he went out by himself after work, just for a few hours, few hours, and he said that it's always best, like that fourth uh, quarter after four to quarter to five time you know he said uh he caught a ton of uh, crappies and bluegills 
He said he was so busy catching those that he didn't bother setting up tip-ups. He, he kept maybe about a dozen fish. Uh, the, the bluegills were running around that, you know, seven and a half to eight inch. And the crappies he kept were like nine to ten inches. So no monsters, but, you know, decent filletable fish. So uh, things are going well. And, 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 oh, and he did catch, uh, he did catch a walleye, but it was short. And he had a, he had something really big on. He figured it was a northern pike that hit his jig. So, uh, and then broke him off. But, so, yeah, fishing is really good. You know, I, I got a question, though, because I, I don't ice ang- fish anymore. But there's a lot of people who listen to the show who do. Why is it when you're in these shallow bays and, uh, in the fall, late fall, there's not a damn thing in there. No fish. There might be a couple of fish crews, you know, that are lost, but generally there's nothing there. But as soon as you get a few inches of ice, there's fish there. Why is that? My my best guess, Tom, and uh, who knows what my, what, you know, being as I'm a knucklehead, how, what do I know? But I'm thinking that, you know, remember we were, we were talking to, to the Hall of Fame angler, Dale Strohshine, last week, and he talked about how under the ice, it's such a, it's a quiet water environment. And, uh, and he, he, hence he was talking about how sonar might, uh, might uh, kind of disturb some of the bigger walleyes. So I'm guessing that being as it just becomes so still and quiet, as opposed to normally, you know, people, you know, race in boats and so forth, stirring it up, um, shallow water, they might get disturbed more. But once the ice comes... You know, they got that quiet environment. They're not getting disturbed, and they come sliding in. But then again, what do I know? Maybe maybe the forage base moves in. Maybe they're just following, you know, the small stuff. Who knows? That might be, yeah. I mean, I always find it, you know, interesting that, um, you know, because I've been out, you know, late fall, and, uh, you know, and the water temperature is like, you know, 45 degrees, whatever, and there's not a darn thing in shallow water. But as soon as the ice comes, oh, there they are. It's like, well, what the heck? Now, you know, it, it, well, yeah, I'm not even going to add to that. <laughs> I don't even want to speculate. <laughs> so the other thing that you mentioned, Tom, interesting, you, you mentioned your son, uh, that quarter after four to quarter to five time, that right before dark time, that's right. exactly the time that the locals out here have been telling me is when you get the walleyes, and that's exactly when I did catch that walleye. Uh, the other thing, though, that they do get, um, you know, at that time is if you're set up with, you know, some smaller minnows and so forth, you can get some nice crappies, too, which you were kind of mentioning. Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure you can on the east end there, yeah. So, um, yeah, so you can get a mixed bag sometimes. The only thing that I'm really surprised the guy doesn't catch more of out here, Tom, is largemouth bass on tip-ups. I, yeah, yeah. You know, you would think, I mean, being as they catch them on uh, giant shiners down in, uh, down in Florida. And I have actually read some articles about some guys that talked about ice fishing with shiners for largemouth bass. Uh, so I know it's, it's done. Years ago, in fact, I was on uh, Lake Como ice fishing with our friend Ron Johnson. He and I went out there one day and some some guy wandered over and pointed at a shanty and he says, yeah, they got a nine pound bass, largemouth over there last week. I didn't believe it until I went to a friend's house in Kenosha whose dad is a taxidermist and his dad goes, yeah, I got a nine pound bass that some guy brought in from Lake Como the other day. So uh, 
to get mounted. So, I, you know, I know they can get them, but with all the bass on Pewaukee, you would think a guy would stumble into more of them. Yeah, you would think so. I, uh, on uh, uh, Lake Kesis, uh when we used to uh, go by what was called the Back Bay Bar, and there were these steps that went down to the lake, and uh, you'd have to pay five bucks or something to park. The bar wasn't really open anymore except for parking purposes. And uh, we used to go down in that in that bay by Back Bay Bar. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, we, we not only did we catch bluegills and crappies but in northerns, but we also caught largemouth bass. So that was one area where we did do well on them. And, if, you know, if anybody wants to give us any pointers or tips, you know, any of our audience, please do so at 799-1250. But right now, Danny, we got to go to one more break. And we got the gut report coming up. And don't forget, folks, stay tuned. We got the horn schwaggle coming up right after the 645 break. So stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors right here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Come here, I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The gut report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, I got a question for you, folks. Do you like onions? I know I like onions. A lot of people I know like onions. Now, some of you might not, so you might as well take a break for the next couple minutes. But <laughs> if you like onions, you're going to like this. First of all, we're talking about Vidalia onions or sweet onions. Did you know that like, you can get Vidalia onions right now, but they're just not called Vidalias. They're called sweet onions. The reason being is that they can only be called Vidalias if they come from Vidalia County in Georgia. Other than that, they've got to be called sweet onions. So anyway, you take one of these sweet onions and you peel it. And then you cut a good-sized hole through it, but not all the way through the onion, okay, but a good-sized hole. You fill it with butter and then put a little garlic powder, salt, and pepper. Now, if you don't like the garlic, okay, fine, just use salt and pepper on the top. Wrap it in foil and either put it on the grill or put it in your oven at 350 degrees for about 45 minutes. And you know what? When you bring it out, Unwrap that foil. It's soft. You want to make sure it's nice and soft. I'll tell you what, it is delicious. So if you like onions like I do, you're going to want to try this. Vidalia onions, now in the wintertime they're called sweet onions, but they look just like Vidalias. Give it a try. I think you'll like it. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. You can find Discount Liquor at 51st in Oklahoma in Milwaukee or Main Street and Barstow in Waukesha. If you're looking for the best price, service, and selection, you got to go to Discount Liquor. And if you're looking for weekly specials, hey, we got it for you. Just go to DiscountLiquorInc.com. Born to be wild. Born to be wild. Welcome back the wacky walleyes cutting edge outdoors and yes we were born to be wild tom hop on that harley and head out into the wilderness onto the big road but i got a new machine tom that you might be interested in other than a harley that you can ride can you guess what it might be my friend yeah you got an atv well okay so here's the deal i don't know if you heard about this this came out of uh, the Bay Area, you know, back where I'm from, back, you know, back in the day. I knew a lot of people up in the Green Bay Area, but a guy up there in Deep Pier named uh, Adam Ford, 
He was uh, coming off the Bay of Green Bay, and uh, he was huffing and puffing and having to, you know, he wasn't in great physical shape like you and I, Tom, obviously, because we wouldn't get tired. But he was walking through the heavy snow, and he was stopping and, and huffing and puffing, and he thought to himself, I'm carrying this motor, his Jiffy Auger, of course, uh, the Jiffy Augers, which are the world's greatest augers. He's uh, carrying this motor, motorized Jiffy Auger, and he thought, here I got a motor, and I'm walking. There's got to be something I can do. So what he's done over the past 10 years, uh, he's developed a motorized uh, type of deal where it's, it's it, I, the best I can describe it, Tom, is it's kind of like a riding lawnmower. It's uh, weighs about 110 pounds altogether. You can break it, take it, put it together, and and uh, take it apart and put it together real easy. It's like a motorized scooter powered by the engine from the Jiffy, and then you can ride it out onto the ice, and it's less weight than uh, less weight than a regular ATV. So for people on the light, you know, the ice that you were talking about that might not yeah, be as thick, yeah. and then you can break it down and drill your holes with it. Huh. Yeah. In fact, I'm looking at it. They did a story on it uh, up in Green Bay on uh, on uh, WBAY Channel Two, and they actually did a did a story about it. You could probably go online and see the couple minute report. Shows a picture of him driving it, and uh, it looks like from the picture that you know the uh, one of the axles that he uses to connect to the wheels is actually the uh, is actually the auger part. And somehow you take that off the axle, put it back on the head of your Jiffy Auger and drill a hole. And apparently some guy in Iowa who's like an engineer saw him online and posting it on Facebook. He came and actually helped him with the final development. And they sold 50 of them. They sold out this year. But uh, it's called Ice Auger Machines LLC. So who knows where that might go. That might be one of the next innovations there in augers. In auger slash driving machine i was just writing that down i'm gonna i'm gonna do that at the next break i'm gonna check that out yeah very interesting so that's american innovation at its finest my friend and it's out of the out of the bay area but you know lots of geniuses come out of that green bay area hey we got a caller tom so we uh, can we go to him yep we got jim in greenfield all right good morning morning jim Good morning, Jim. A while back, quite a while back, you guys were talking about keeping your hands clean when you're, when you're fishing. And I have a little story about that. It's kind of embarrassing on my part. Uh, we're in Canada, about 100 miles uh, northeast of Red Lake, so we're really quite a ways up on a lake called Hornby. It's the last day of a seven-day uh, fly-in camp. And we're in an area of the lake called the East Arm, basically almost like a a canyon on both sides of the relatively narrow and a beautiful spot when it's sunny out. I spend more time taking pictures back there sometimes than fishing. Anyways, this day it's 45 degrees about, rainy, windy. I'm out there with a, a partner, and he's operating the boat. We're back trolling bottom bouncers with leeches, and he's getting one fish after another, and they're all like 24, 25 all the way up to 28-inch walleyes, and I'm doing nothing. He's got the inside, I've got the outside. And I don't smoke regularly, but when I'm in a boat, I I have a habit of enjoying a cigar. 
And he tells me, you know, that cigar is causing your problems. So I put it out, wash my hands well with an odorless soap that I always carry in case I get gas or something on. Continues the same way. He's pulling one in after another, and I'm doing nothing. So I wash my hands a second time. Nothing. Can't get, you know, he, he continues to catch fish after fish, and I'm, I'm doing nothing. Uh, finally, I got so desperate, I asked him, let me use your bucket of leeches rather than my own. I think something's wrong. Never improved. By the end of the day, he had about 25 walleyes, all 26, 27, all above 24, let's put it that way, and I had two. Uh, I've never had that sort of experience in the past. I mean, it was outfished by a, by a very, very large margin, and I never could figure out what really went wrong he insisted it was that smell of that cigar on my hands that I just couldn't wash off. I got a question for you. You said he was fishing the inside and you were the outside? Right. Did you ever try switching? Well, with the bottom bouncers, I hesitate to do that. I, I might have gotten a little bit like maybe in the front of the boat. I was in the front, he was in the back. So I tried, you know, maybe right off the front of the boat. But I, I don't like to do two bottom bouncers on the same side. So, no, I did not really do that to any big degree. I thought, it, you know, to this day I think about was it just the way the wind was blowing, the the, the current, uh, you know, just he had the, the perfect setup and I was on the outside. But I don't really know. But I was, I kid you not, I was outfished at least 25 walleyes to two that, that day. Well, you know, when I was in grade school, uh, and we had a tough question for the pastor. It was a Catholic grade school. And during religion class, if we had a tough question for him, his answer, and this is what I'm going to give to you, his answer was always, it's a divine mystery. <laughs> well, I hope never to experience it again. <laughs> What's that? I hope to never have that experience again. I, I've been on the opposite side of that. I was once up with my... My my uh, son-in-law, and we were we were again in the same general area in Canada, and we were we were just throwing little, we were actually trolling little crankbaits, back trolling, back trolling little crankbaits, and I was getting one after another, and he was doing absolutely nothing, and he always insists that I give him the poor tackle, the poor pole to use, the poor reel to use. So I finally got so fed up with hearing it, I just handed him my whole rod, reel, bait, everything. I took his. And I never missed a beat. I just kept catching him, and he didn't do anything at all. You yeah, it, you know, you just never know why certain things happen like that. I've been on both ends like that, too. I'm sure, Bushy, you have, too. And uh, it's it's just something weird that happens. You know, who knows why, right? Well, I'm going to keep my hands clean in any case. Okay, good for you. Thanks Take care, for calling. Guys. Well, I guess, I guess that's it, right, Sam? <laughs> yep. So, oh, okay. Ta- so, Tom... You kind of asked the question that I was thinking. Um, I'll relate a story. Years ago, uh, Steve Milliot started to dial in the, the trolling for walleyes in the Bay of Green Bay it, before it really became like, like it is today. Now everybody and their brothers up there trolling walleyes. But he kind of found a way of, uh, of, of trolling and getting them in, in the Sturgeon Bay area. And then he and, uh, and his friend Mike decided that they'd go up to uh, the... Uh, the um, uh, upper Mishbetanak area and try the same same system on a reef up there. And uh, they went, they made one pass of a reef, and his friend Mike caught like I don't know ten walleyes 
all big ones you know we're talking 28 inches and steve didn't catch a thing and basically it was because mike had the inside line along that reef and steve was just off of it even though you would think they're running those baits so close together but sometimes you got to put that bait right in the zone and i'm thinking that uh it had something to do with that it didn't have anything to do with the smell of a cigar, I can tell you that. Yeah, I doubt it, too. I think it had something to do like that. And that's why, you know, if I was in that situation, I would just push the guy away from that side of the boat for a while, and I'd take it, take over. Oh, yeah, yeah. There are you, Mr. E. There's Tom just caring about himself, going to knock the other guy yeah, off the boat. That's right. So, Say, hey, man, you go you go fish the other side for a while. I'm over. I'm here now. <laughs> listen, any all of our friends out there listening right now can relate to that time Oh, when yeah. you're out with your brother, your sister, your mother, whoever it is, your best friend, and if it's okay if they catch a couple fish, but if it gets to a point where they start catching all the fish, you get pissed off. You get <laughs> you start to get aggravated, man. Yeah, I know. Been on both sides, so. And yep, we've been on both sides. In fact, people that fish the piers, uh, Lake Michigan. Uh, you know, our friend Jim Dembeck goes out there a lot now, and over the years, I used to go out quite a bit. And you'd be on the pier, and it seemed like whether I was in Algoma, Kiwani, Two Rivers, wherever I was at, there was always that morning where there was one guy on the pier. It was that guy between 10 other guys chucking spoons, and that one guy was catching all the fish. And it would make you nuts, because every time we'd all be getting out of the guy's way to net another one for him, and everybody's frustrated. So, you know, you've always, you know, seen when it's that guy. But then once in a while, I'll be honest with you, Tom, I've been on piers where on glorious, wonderful mornings when the sky parted and the sun shone down upon me from the heavens when I was that guy. And it's a great feeling, buddy. Yeah, generally, uh, I would say that if uh, that guy was using bait mate, that's probably why. Well, that's it. It's the bait mate fish attracted. Well, you know what? If it was a cigar... Get some of the garlic game fish type stuff. There you go. And salt. Spray it on your hands. Rub it around and get that cigar smell yeah, off your hands. That's right. Yeah. Well, we got to go to the gut report now. So we do need a caller. Uh, the gut report. I mean, the horn story. Hornswoggle town. Hornswoggle. I know. The Hornswoggle is brought to you by <laughs> Carl's Country Market out in Menominee Falls. They're on the corner of uh, Pilgrim Road and Silver Spring. You want to check them out, award-winning sausages, meats, uh, and many, many, many other things in a store. So I do definitely want to check them out. But if you uh, win the Hornschwaggle contest, you'll get a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market. So to be a contestant, all you got to do is call right now at 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Be a contestant for the Hornswoggle, and stay tuned for more. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Intercom Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! Welcome to the Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. You are listening to the Wacky Walleyes. 
Cutting Edge Outdoors here on 1250 AM, The Fan. We appreciate you hanging around for the second hour. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the boards, and we're here every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m., so we got one more hour to go. And if you want to be a part of the show, hey, just give us a call at 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com, just like our friend Nick did. He wrote us uh, one, uh, he emailed us here, Danny. He says, good morning, gents. Loving the show this morning. Do you know of any fishing jamborees going on in the area this winter? I can't find any register for Pewaukee Lake. FYI, it seems like bass go deep during the winter, which is why most guys don't catch them on tip-ups. I've caught a few in shallow water, but quite a few in 15-plus feet of water. That's from Nick. But he wants to know about ice fishing jamborees on Pewaukee Lake. You know about those, Danny, don't you? Well, typically... The ice jamborees in Pewaukee would be based out of our uh, good friend's place out at the waterfront pub there, uh, Curly's Waterfront. And they'd normally start about this time of year when the ice was good enough and they run every Saturday. Now, I think it I did mention a couple weeks ago that uh, some of the uh, jamborees were canceled. I think Lunkers was canceled and another one, which opened up, I believe, January 16th and February 9th unless I have that backwards, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. So Ryan out there at Waterfront mentioned that, uh, hey, you know, let some groups know they got an opening. Uh, Some of the groups are canceling because they couldn't get enough participation to make it worthwhile because these are fundraisers because a lot of people didn't want to uh, do it because of the COVID deal. Now, I do believe they still have some other ones going on. If If you go out to Waterfront, normally they have them posted. So if you go out to Waterfront, just they normally got a poster on the wall listing all their fisheries for the season. So, uh, Nick, I would suggest taking down, uh, you know, going down the waterfront and having a bruja today and uh, check it out because uh, I'm hoping they have some because I, you know, I like to set up tip ups here and I go down and enter and, you know, I've won $50. Three times over the years, I've gotten the winning northern <laughs> fishing out of my little shanty here right in the corner of the lake and, uh, and running down and registering it and uh, winning some cash. So I hope they got some jamborees this year. Yeah, I got a question for Sam. Sam, uh, is the Packers don't play this week, do they? No, they got the number one seed. They're on the bye. They're on the bye. So there's not going to be an uh, NFL football picking contest this week. That'll be next week. So, who, who, Sam, who potentially could the Packers play next week? So they play whoever is the lowest remaining seed after this week. So potentially or most likely probably the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or unless the Bears somehow upsets the Saints, it'd be like Tampa Bay, the Saints, or the Rams, or um, let's see, there's one other team. But yeah, it, it's, it's pretty much like it, whoever you know is the lowest seed after – you know, remaining whoever wins, if that makes sense. Okay, gotcha. So it's a little so, different this year compared to most. So, so to be determined. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Well, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a good seed and the Packers can continue. Hey, Tom, um, can I give my gripe of the week for you? Can I? Can I throw it out there, buddy? You would, even if I said no, wouldn't you? No, no, Tom. Tom, <laughs> yes, it's your show, buddy. You're you're the boss of me. So no, here, you go right ahead. here we go. Well, it's not necessarily a grip. Just a, just an observation. Okay. 
So I was up northern Wisconsin, and uh, one of my cousins showed me a picture of a nice eight-point buck that his son shot this year. And I said, man, that's a great-looking deer, big body on it. Yeah, nice rack, good job. The one thing I didn't do, and here's where I'm going with this, is I didn't whip out my cell phone and say, well, look at the picture of the 10-pointer I got this year. Look at this 8-pointer I got. And this is the thing that I've noticed. No matter how big a fish you got, no matter how big a deer you got, there's always someone that got that has a bigger one. And it's just kind of annoying where, you know, if let's say, for example, someone shows a picture of whatever, a bass, or and and then the guy sitting next to you at the bar, he'll show you a picture of a bigger bass that his neighbor caught. Not that he might not even be a fisherman. But why do people always have to do that one-upper type thing? Why yeah. don't you just let the person feel good about what they got and say, "Wow, that's a nice fish. That's a nice buck." You got you can you can shut your mouth and you don't have to whip it out and say, "Well, look at this. Look at mine." Because the person is trying to feel good, so enjoy that feeling with them and be a decent guy about it. That's right. You know, I did something that you're not going to like. I did it this last week. A fellow was in the store, and it turns out he's a guide on the Milwaukee River for walleyes. I should have, you know, been pumping him for information on where, you know. But Well, yeah. But I didn't. But anyway... But he says, yeah, I catch a lot of walleyes on uh, ice fishing stuff this time of year on smaller stuff. And I said, oh, yeah? And I said, that's pretty interesting. That's good for you. And he went, went, got out his phone, and he starts scrolling. You know how he starts scrolling, looking for something? And I said to him, hey, look, if you're going to show me pictures of walleyes, no offense, but I know what they look like. And so he put the phone back in his pocket. Tom, oh my, all I can say is the girls would say is OMG. Oh, I don't know. You are such a, I can't, come on, oh my gosh. Hey, I was impressed that he's. You know, you got to go to church and find Jesus, man. You need a kinder heart. Hey, I was impressed that he was catching walleyes, and I told him that on the Milwaukee River, and that he's guiding on the Milwaukee River for walleyes. I, I, you know, I thought it was great, but do I really need to see walleyes that I know what they look like. What yes, the hell's I, going on out here? Tom, now here's, <laughs> here's the other thing. More? Here's huh? the other thing where you were being a conehead is yes, you should have pumped them for information. Let me tell you about the old bushy, as Steve Milliot used to call it, soft shoe. When I used to work at the muskie shop years ago, guys would come in, they'd show me pictures of muskie and so forth, and I wasn't right away going, oh, well, yeah, I got a bigger one. I got this one over here. The guy comes in. He'd sh- so here's what I would do. I'd say, wow, man, you really that's a great fish. You catch a lot of fish out here. Man, I got to hand it to you. You really do good. And then you butter them up, and then what they do is they'll do this. It, it, in, invariably, their voice will get quieter. They'll lean in closer, and they'll go, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm fishing over here, and I found that this bait has really been working good for me. So what you do is you get this information from people, not by being a one-upper or a topper. There's a bar term for, for that, where if you have a tail greater than the beer head next to you, you call that a topper. So you don't be a topper at the bait shop. You be quiet, be a soft shoe, and you will get information, my friend. Yeah. When, uh... And I think we have a caller. Oh, good. 
uh, Scott and Rhinelander has a question for you guys. Scott and Rhinelander, are you listening to us on the podcast or something? Uh, so I'm listening to you on my smart speaker. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I listen to you every Saturday morning when I get up in the morning. Well, thank yeah. you. Appreciate yeah. that. Technology is yeah. amazing, man. Yeah, isn't it? And it's, yeah. it's it. The thing's about the size of a hockey puck. Huh. <laughs> okay. Um, Tom, uh, my old man does a lot of walleye fishing up here. Yeah. And he, uh, uh, a couple of months ago, he pulls out walleye cheeks and walleye wings. Have you ever had them? Walleye cheeks I always keep. As a matter of fact, northern pike cheeks, bass cheeks. Oh, yeah. I cut those out. Now, the wings, are. oh, are those the, the little fins that you make, like potato chips? Well, no, they're they're the little, uh, was it the pectoral fins? Yeah, right. They're, they're just, there's just enough, there's like two bones in them, and they're like, they're almost like eating like chicken wings. Um, there's actually quite a bit of meat on them. Yeah, well, the, I'll tell you, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But the uh, the cheeks are really good. It's almost like uh, like uh, uh, oh god, I can't think of those things. The little white round things from the ocean. Oh, scallops. Scallops, yeah. It's almost like eating scallops. You know, it's delicious. Yeah. Well, we made them like uh, like with an Alfredo sauce and noodles and stuff like that. They're really really good. Well, you're making me hungry now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you hey, do what's that the weather every like morning while you the gut report. What's that? I said, you do that every morning when I get up, when I listen to the gut report. Yeah, I do do that every morning. Hey, listen. Hey, Jim. Jim, just don't ask him if he wants to see some of your walleye pictures you just caught. <laughs> well, I'd oh, love Scott, to, sorry. I'm, I'd love to, guys, but I'm blind. So I can't, uh, yeah, seeing pictures, it's a little hard for me right now. Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. Now, we appreciate you listening up there. The other ice fishing last week out in the little lake. My uh, cousin is on a little lake on the west side of Rhinelander, and he caught like uh, 12 crappies and two bluegills, and we had a feast last Friday for uh, fresh fish. There ain't nothing better than that. Oh, I know. Those are great. Hey, what's the weather like up there by you? It's cold. Not a yeah. lot of snow, though. Not much snow, huh? Yeah, the trails aren't open yet. At least yeah. not in Oneida County. Yeah, that's what I really? heard. That the trails aren't open yet, so nah, you, they've you been a little bit more snow up there. They wrote about fifty tickets or so. Yeah, for people riding on the trails. Oh, that's not good. That's not yeah, good. the old man has some pretty good luck in the green up in Green Bay too. Um, uh, catching he he catches a lot of he's a big walleye fisherman so all right well listen thanks for calling and uh, thanks for listening to us I appreciate that all the way up there in Rhinelander That's all right cool thanks. thanks for the show yeah you take care now bye now yep. thank you bye yeah how about that Danny another listener from some other part of the state you know all the way up there Tom what's the name of the mythical beast beast up there the Hodag the Hodag. Yeah, the yep. whole day. Whole day. What do you mean, yes. mythical? What do you mean, yeah. mythical? Years ago, years ago, I was driving up there through there to go deer hunting up there in God's country, Douglas County, and my cousin, 
who was like a year older than me, uh, he, we hit Rhinelander, and he goes, Dad, what's a hodag? And, and I said, being a wise ass in the back seat, I said, a hodag is a mythical beast. And, uh, yeah, he didn't know what the hodag was. Well, I don't, I don't know about mythical. I, I, you know, a lot of people, it's kind of like Bigfoot. A lot of people think they've seen it, you know. I'm a believer. Yeah, yeah, it's like Bigfoot. So, anyway, <laughs> like Bigfoot. Well, listen, we gotta we got to go to another break real quick. We'll do this one quick, folks, so stay tuned. You're listening to Dan Bush and Tom Neubauer here on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. We'll be right back. Listen to the Nearing Milwaukee Home Improvement Show Saturday morning starting at 8. Tom Mainville is my co-host this week, and Jason Zabrowski, owner of J&J Contractors, will be our special guest. That's the Nearing Milwaukee Home Improvement Show only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush, single, straight, white, wealthy, retired landowner from Douglas County, and he's bass champion Tommy the True Neubauer. And Tommy, uh, can I tell a hunting story? I wish you would. Okay, here we go. All right, I'm going to give you, Tom, three guesses. What species am I going to talk about right now? What do you think I was shooting, hunting? Oh, when you were up in Superior? Yep. Um, rabbits. Moose. Moose. Jaguars. <laughs> Cougars. No, uh, actually, snowshoes and porkies and bears. Oh, my. Actually, the first two. Uh, snowshoe rabbit hunting. You know, I had not shot a snowshoe rabbit hare. I'll call him rabbit, even though we, we won't get technical here, yeah. Tom. Okay. Um, when I was in high school, um, there was an explosion. There was a literal explosion of snowshoe rabbits up there in Douglas County. I mean, my brother, Tim, walked a fence line one time. He had a game vest. He shot eight snowshoe rabbits while walking this fence line. There were so many of them that he shot one snowshoe at the in, under a brush pile and when he went around to the brush pile to reach in and grab he grabbed a perfectly live snowshoe by the back legs the thing started kicking like crazy he put its barrel to its head shot it and then went and found the one that he'd actually hit so he grabbed a perfectly live rabbit and wow. <laughs> uh, yeah and then i remember i was down by the river and i had one or two in fact that same day i had i had shot a snowshoe rabbit where I'm walking along and I look down at my feet. It was literally laying motionless right next to my foot. And I, I got it. So I had gotten a couple. But he had eight in his game vest. And, you know, my brother Tim could get kind of ornery. My dad always called him the ornery one. And uh, even though I love my brother Tim a lot. But he showed up at the bottom of the river. And he had these eight snowshoes. And, and he was dying. He was walking through this heavy snow in his game vest was like, you know, weighing on his neck and shoulders. And he was actually griping and yelling at me like it was my fault. And I'm like, <laughs> you're the one who went and shot eight snowshoes. And all of a sudden, you're all angry and upset. But there used to, there was a lot of them. Now, it's starting to come back. I'll tell you, 
Uh, I hadn't shot one in over 40 years. You might see a track once in a while up there. Um, the uh, you know the population again they can really explode and then they go way down. It's it's an interesting phenomenon in, in the wild. I guess we could maybe talk to a biologist more about it. But they're coming back, and uh, you gotta you gotta stock them quiet. But I'll tell you what, I think it's one of the most fun winter sports. If you like to still hunt and walk quietly and enjoy the woods and get exercise, there's nothing better than walking quietly through the woods with a 22 rabbit, uh, rabbit hunting, and even cottontail hunting down here. For years, I've tried doing it with a 22, and it's a real challenge to spot them sitting. Now, the difference with a snowshoe rabbit, you got to look for that black, dark eye, and they're all white, of course. But the snowshoe rabbit, the difference is when they run off, they'll run off, but 99% of the time, they'll stop. Now, once in a while, a cottontail might do it, especially if you whistle or if they're not too spooked. But a lot of times they get out of dodge. But a snowshoe, if they stop, then what you do is walk quietly where you last saw them. And if you got a good game eye, you can pick them up. And uh, yesterday I had to kneel down in the snow, look under the brush pile. I could just make the little guy out looking at me, and I drilled it. So uh, snowshoe rabbit hunting, I'll tell you, it's a great time. And it's probably one of those overlooked winter sport uh, nobody, how, how many news, how many articles and magazines, Tom, have you read about hunting snowshoe rabbits? Yeah, not many. No. Not many. And uh, I, once, once in a great while. It, now, Tom, you've eaten a lot of wild game and you're kind of a cooking yeah. expert. That's why you're the host of the Gut Report. Have you ever eaten snowshoes? You know what? To tell you the truth, years ago, we used to hunt rabbits a lot. And to tell you the truth, I don't, I think they were all rabbits. They were not the snowshoe hares. Okay, because uh, they were all rabbits around this area, with in you know, uh, in the counties right around us in southeastern Wisconsin, and uh, so I, I really don't think I ever had the snowshoe hares, but I, we had plenty of rabbits. You know, we shot a lot of rabbits, we ate a lot of rabbits. And I used to really like them, you know. So we years ago we used to uh, we used to shoot those. And uh, we also used to spear in the middle of winter. I've mentioned this on the show. We'd take a chainsaw, cut a hole in the middle of the river, go on a sandbar, and in the middle of, middle of the night in January, below zero, we'd spear lawyers. And we'd always give, yeah, there was an old farmer named Eddie Miller up there. He's the one we got our land from. We could always leave <laughs> frozen lawyers <laughs> and dead snowshoe rabbits on Ed's porch, and he'd take them. So <laughs> I... Most of the time, I wasn't into eating the rabbits, but we did try it once. And I don't know, I think I and my cousin Stephen tried frying them up or some method. And I'll tell you what, they, they, you want to lose a molar, that, they were tough and it, we, I, we couldn't even, we couldn't do it. Really? But, no, because but the regular rabbits that uh, I would make, uh, no, they weren't tough. No, they were, no. it was like chicken. You know. I'll tell you what, those snowshoe hair, they were rangy hairs, and they were tough. Yep, and, uh, you know, so, but there's got to be a, well, I, I don't think they'd invented the crock pot yet. There's got to be a way of making them. And uh, my friend Joe that I was up there hunting with, he's got a, he's got a, uh, a, a guy that he knows who has some special old German Hessen, Pfeffer, whatever, rabbit recipe. And he's going to give him a cottontail. And he's going to give them a snowshoe that I shot and have them make them up. And we're going to do a test to see if there's a difference. There you go. Hey, I just sent you an email. 
from, so you might want to check uh, uh, your email, uh, from Char Grams. You know, uh, Keith's wife sent us an email, a couple of photos of a couple of big deer in her backyard. It says, big guy still around backyard. Check out the back leg. Does tarsal glands swell up during the rut? And, yeah, and if you look at that first photo uh, on the rear left leg, the tarsal gland is all swollen. I wonder, she was wondering if that happens during the rut. And the other picture is uh, the big buck coming after a doe. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Did yeah. Do you see him? Yeah, it looks like he's looking at the butt of the doe. Yeah, <laughs> like yep, most yep, males staring at the female posterior. And yep. like most females, she's getting the heck out of Dodge yep. and saying, get away from me, creep. You got no job. You live in your parents' basement. Uh, you've dropped out of college. Get away from me. Yeah, so, that's either a eight or ten pointer, one of the two. That's a it's a nice buck in their backyard. I'm surprised Keith hasn't shot it yet. In in answer to her question, Tom, and I'm no expert, but I do believe that the tarsal gland, yes, does swell up. I know that's part of the scent type thing. In fact, uh, my dad knew a guy years ago who was like an old type of Indian type uh, back to nature guy. The guy was an expert marksman. He could shoot grouse out of the air with a 22 rifle. Um, but he one time cut the tarsal gland off a buck, put it in a, tr in a tree, and actually had a buck come in that he shot. So I have heard stories about it. The other thing that's going on now, Tom, is I believe that the second rut might be going on yet. When we were up there in Douglas County, we'd find the deer tracks where the females were, you know, peeing, of course, between their legs. But it was it was a real brownish colored. It looks like that uh, like the 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 dopey that you get like uh, the Tink 69 and that stuff was all kind of brown and stinky. Uh, my buddy Joe, being goofy as he is, actually went down in the snow and sniffed it, and it smelled just like that uh, just like that kind of buckler that you'd buy. So we're wondering whether you know there's not a lot of bucks up there. Whether some of those uh, does are in estrus again, and the, and uh, second rut might be going on. Yeah, you don't know, but just want to thank Char for sending us in those photos. It's very interesting, and I, I hope Char and Keith are doing well. Hey, so uh, thanks, Char. We, we do have a we do have a caller. We'll go to the other thing I'll mention though is that those a lot of times do get bred later in the further north, just so that with the rough springs that they're dropped a little bit later when the weather isn't so bad. But yeah, Sam, let's go to our caller. We got a couple minutes before break. Yeah, we got Keith and Wawatosa. Hey, Keith. How's it going? Good morning, gentlemen. Good I am morning. doing fine. I hope you are, too. Yeah. Um, you may have moved on from the subject, but uh, you were talking about rabbits and, uh, you know, uh, cooking the, or eating them and how to prepare them. And actually, um, I used to make Hoffman stuffer. It was one of my dad's favorite meals. And uh, But uh, you're right. That was before the crockpots. But they used to have a device called the rubber top, and it was clay pot. And so I had a clay top, a clay bottom. You soaked it in water for a couple hours, and then you could you make like a stew. Put your rabbit in there, and you put some onions and carrots and potatoes in, uh, and a little uh, a little um, broth, chicken or beef broth, and then uh, you bake it. And it would come out extremely tender and delicious. 
was soaking you know, in water that gave the moisture. You know, Keith, what uh, we used to do before crockpots, my mom had a Nesco. Remember that, Nesco's? I do remember Nesco. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was kind of like a forerunner to the crockpots, you know? And uh, so, you know, we would put the rabbits in there or we would bake them, you know. We we did a number of different things with them, but I uh, put them in that Nesco. It was kind of like putting them in a crock pot nowadays, you know. So, yeah, it sounds well, like, I, I, you know, now that we're talking about it, I feel like going out and having rabbit now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you don't mind. Um, I just couldn't resist. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. We appreciate the call. Take care, Take care gentlemen. Stay safe. Okay, you too. Bye now. Well, we better go to that break. It's 7.30. So, folks, stay tuned. Uh, we got a few more things to bring up, and if you want to get in touch with us, just call us at 799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. <laughs> Walleyes, cutting edge outdoors. Hey, we're in the final countdown of our show. We want to thank everybody out there uh, who've called and uh, emailed and getting on board to ride on the crazy train today. Uh, before it, I forget, uh, let's see, a couple things I want to mention. Um, if, oh yeah, here it is. If you've got a new vehicle, I highly suggest, we've got a lot of salt on the roads and so forth out there right now. I highly suggest taking it over to Zbart and getting that thing rust-proofed. Uh, it's the one thing I did when I bought my new vehicle. And, uh, man, I was driving up in northern Wisconsin and getting salt all over everything. And I'll tell you, I was thinking, I'm glad I got it rust-proofed because you got to protect it. It's just unfortunate that, you know, we do get as much, uh, you know, uh, snow up here in the north woods. You we got to use the salt, I guess, to keep the roads safe. But, you know, up in Douglas County there, Tom, they, they don't use near as much salt, they use a sand. And I'm guessing maybe it's a sand-salt mix, but I mean, they got sand everywhere, but that's kind of the only area that I can recall. Uh, have you ever been up in uh, anywhere where they'd use mostly sand? Yeah, I've seen that a lot. Yeah, I've seen that. As a matter of fact, there's some places, uh, you know, down here in southeastern Wisconsin, you'll see some areas where there'll be sand out, you know, uh, at intersections, you know. Um, but I think down here mostly it's ice. But I think, you know what I think it is, too, is that uh, when they run low on ice, and there have been times when they've run low on ice where they've had to use sand, you know, instead of uh, instead of the salt. I'm, I'm sorry, they ran low on salt, not ice. Got, right, yeah, they, right. They ran low on I, I salt. remember some winters, and then they, they yeah. were jacking up the price on this stuff, yeah. even if you wanted to buy a bag of it yourself. Yeah, last winter was one of those winters where... Uh, you know, the the stores didn't have any more, uh, you know, rock salt and sidewalk salt, you know. Uh, man, it was tough last year to find it. And when you found it, you better buy a bunch of it, you know. You know, I, one thing I've used, Tom, in a pinch is water softener salt. Um, oh, yeah, that'll I, work. I, yeah. Yeah, it, it does work. I'd uh, And then I'd put a couple bags in the back of my truck for weight. And then when the... Uh, 
And then when the winter was over, or I'd use it, you know, for, you know, slippery sidewalks and stuff if we were out of the, you know, the other stuff. And then the neighbor who has a water softener will always take the unopened bags at the end of the year. So some, just, a, just a tip you can use. The other thing I was going to mention is uh, Dave Olson, who has uh, Studio 360. I brought him some pictures of some of the big bucks shot on the farm this year. And he's going to do like kind of a collage type of thing. In fact, he, he did one of Ron, of our friend Ron Heidenreich uh, with him and a bunch of musky catches that he had. He does it for like uh, high school athletes who are graduating and maybe, you know, he'll do like a collage type picture of, of them and uh, playing football and playing basketball. And, and, and he puts up some, he's such a good artist. He puts such a beautiful thing together so I'm going to have him put together some type of a thing to commemorate this year's hunt. And if you got a lot of fishermen out there and hunters listening to us, and you've got all these pictures of some memorable times just sitting in a desk drawer or some dusty photo album, you ought to get to Dave and let him put something together because he can do a beautiful job. It's pretty unique. Yeah, and uh, he's located, and, and they just have to go on, uh, they, oh, wait a minute, I'm dropping stuff papers all over here all they have to do is uh, google uh, studio 360 in uh yeah studio 360 photo and dave's in pewaukee not only does he is he a great uh, uh photo person and he does a bunch of other stuff but uh he's also our advertising manager so if you want to you know buy some advertising on the show all you got to do is call dave at two two it's two six two 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 seven thirty three fifty four, but if you go to Studio Three Sixty Photo, you'll get all the information. And he's right. As a matter of fact, he's only about a block away from you, Danny. Yeah, and and he also is on the guide staff for our friend Dale Strohshein, yep. Wacky Walleye's Guide Service. He's their musky guru up there on the bay and small. He does some smally guiding. Good. So yeah, he can uh, give you some good information on. Uh, fishing uh, up there with uh, the great outfit, Wacky Walleye's Guide Service. My other tip, Tom, is this. Now, Tom, do you know, can you remember, you know me well enough, what's what's Bushy's favorite place to shop? To shop, boy. you got a number of them. Midwest okay. Shooter Supply, Ca- Cabela's. Think cheap, uh, Tom. Think, think, I know this isn't hard, is not hard for you. Think cheap. Boy. Where would you buy things for cheap? Oh, um, oh, what the hell's the name of that? Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you're killing me here, buddy. A Dollar Tree. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dollar Tree, yeah. So, of so we ought to get them to be a sponsor, Tom, because I'm telling you, Dollar Tree. Uh, you can go there and buy everything for a buck. So don't go buy Ziploc bags to freeze your venison or your snowshoe rabbits or whatever, you know, for five bucks at the regular grocery store. Dollar Tree. Get the same Ziploc bags for a buck. Aluminum foil, Tupperware, uh, hardware, uh, laundry detergent, bleach, uh, unit, duct tape, you name it. You can get it there at the Dollar Tree. It's my favorite store to go. You buy things and you walk out and you're like, oh man, the bill's going to be 40 bucks. And they say, that'll be $16.05, please. Because everything's a buck. 
Um, yeah. But one of my tips, one thing that they have there, and I'm going to go see if I can get some more. I hope they're not sold out. They sell these little orange road cones with reflective tape all the way around for a buck. So you can buy a couple of those, and they're perfect for putting on the ice next to your tip-ups. Yeah, and so some ref- Yahoo and his snowmobile doesn't run over it. Exactly, my friend. Good, <laughs> You knew where I was going with that. Oh, so some yeah. Yahoo on his new Polaris does not run over your tip-up. Yeah, that's a good idea. Good idea. So after this hot tip, all the all the lunkhead fishermen listening to us are going to race to the Dollar Tree to see if they got those orange cones. Yeah, you just might have uh, jinxed yourself, and you go there, and there won't be any left. It's okay. I got my three already. Oh, they yeah. also work good for in the summertime when I want to save my parking spot for my boat. Once I pull a, once I pull my trailer out of my reserved spot here, I put those orange cones up. Uh, oh, reserved for VIP yeah. right that's here. Good idea. White Jaw Guide Service. Yeah, that's a real good idea. Yeah, so that nobody takes that spot. Yeah. That's a very good idea. Yeah, so that's it. I'm all out of good ideas for the week, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was surprised this week when I, when I showed up at the store. That's uh, Sherpers and Hills Corners. When I showed up on Wednesday after not being there for, you know, since the previous Friday. I showed up on Wednesday, and every one of our ice fishing combos, rod and reel combos for ice fishing, was gone, sold out, wiped out. So uh, I had to order a bunch, and I hope they're, oh, God, I hope they're there. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, Tom. uh, As far as getting the, even the fishing stuff, that's hit or miss. Well, we have uh, ice fishing stuff seems to be pretty easy to get. Uh, it's some of the other stuff that's tough to get. But, uh, no, we've got, we've probably got five or six different kinds of, of tungsten jigs. we got a lot of those. we got a lot of the blade baits, different, you know, different blade baits. Uh, and, of course, we got, you know, your standard diamond jigs and ratzos and rat finkies and all that stuff, you know. And of course, you know spring bobbers, and you know we got all the basic stuff too. You know, so we're we're set pretty good. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff, but there are a few things that we are out of. Uh, like I said, the rod and reel combos. My goodness, those went fast. So I ordered a bunch. Hopefully, they're there when I get over there on Wednesday. So when you talk, Tom, rod and reel combos. Are you talking about ice fishing specific rod and reel combos where they sell like a short little rod with the reel? Yes, ice fishing rod and reel combos, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and we had, we had a bunch of them and now they're all gone. So, like I said, I had to order a bunch. It's it's amazing how sometimes that stuff will just fly out in one week and then you might sit with this stuff for two weeks, then another week comes and it just flies out. You know, we got a, we got some specials on some ice augers too. Uh, so, you know, we got a bunch of stuff there ready to go for, for ice fishing. That's for sure. Do you have any more of the laser augers? Yeah, we got, uh, I think we got about four of them left. I think we got about four. Okay. Cause I'll tell you my eight inch laser hand auger. I mean, for a hand auger, it's great. Now power auger, I'd go with nothing but a jiffy, but right, the, right. for a hand auger, the laser is the way to go, man. Yeah, that thing, that thing is unbeatable. As a matter of fact, the one I bought back in the 
mid-90s, early to mid-90s, I bought one. And uh, I used it all those years, and then now my one of my sons is still using it. And never had to sharpen the blades once, never sharpened them once. That's that's because we took care of the blades. We used that plastic, you know, shield, you know, just to make sure we didn't bang them up. So, right. yep, if you take care of them, they'll take care of you. Then uh, right now we got to take care of our last commercial break of the day coming up right now. So stay tuned, folks, for more right here on 1250 AM, The Fan. It's the Welcome back to Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Uh, we got uh, some callers, Thomas, so we're going to go to them right away, buddy. Good. All right, let's go to Mike in West Bend. Hey, good morning, Mike. Yeah, I sold my power ice auger, so I'm going to go with the electric drill. Either my 18D uh, Milwaukee or one of my DeWalt's. Um, I've got it narrowed down to that Strike, my, Strike Master Light Flight or the Nils. And I was wondering if you guys had any experience with either one of them. No, I don't, but I'll tell you what. There's a thing called a Nimrod. Cost about, uh, do you have a, let's, let me ask you this first. Do you have a, a, a regular manual auger? Yeah, I do. I got a laser, you know. Okay, okay. Four inch for well, you can buy this Nimrod for like bucks. And you put that Nimrod onto your uh, auger of your your laser auger, and okay. uh, you take apart, you know, take the handle off the top part out, and you just want the auger. You put that Nimrod on it, and then you put your drill on the Nimrod, and it saves you a lot of money. Uh, oh. fact, over at Sherpers in Hales Corners, I think we have two left, but you can find them at other stores. Nimrod, huh? Yeah, it's called a oh, Nimrod. Yeah, that's a good tip because I, I just but I'm gonna need the thing of it is is that I had the four inch for oh, backwater trout fishing up in, in Michigan, but I'm you know I'm looking I'd, I'd like to get a a six inch uh, hole or maybe a seven five, but I'd be just wondering you know that's the reason I was going to go to something yeah, you bigger. Yeah, you can save some money if you do that, and as long as you right. had a like a eighteen or twenty volt uh, drill. It works great. Works great. Okay, that's what I'll do. Nimrod. Yep. I'll look that up. All right. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Uh, I think we got got Bill at Sportsman's Den here, Tom. Yep. Uh, Bill from Sportsman's Den. How you doing? Uh, Top of the morning, gentlemen. Happy New Year's. Yeah, same to you. I haven't been able to for the last few weeks, but I got you. Yeah. I want to say something. Uh, a lot of guys don't know about this Nero. It's called a Nero Russian auger. Beautiful. Comes with the drill adapter, everything. Really, really nice. I'm, I'm impressed. It's, it's a good auger. Uh, I know everybody knows about the lasers and that, but this, this one's a home run. We do have them here if they want to try them. And I wanted to say something about a lot of people come in. I went uh, tungsten. I got to have tungsten. I got to have tungsten. It's uh, a lot of the a lot of the fish like a slower dropping ice jig, and if you're fishing in I don't know four to eight feet of water, maybe ten, 
really don't need a tungsten. You go with your, your lighter jig, you might start catching a little more fish. It's not dropping too fast. But uh, that was on my mind, and I, I thought this week, it's, I don't mind selling tungsten, but it's not the only game in town. Uh, I agree. I agree. Sometimes, you know, you don't, I mean, fish have been caught on leadhead jigs for years. Uh, doesn't mean you still can't catch them on old lead heads, you know. <laughs> yeah. And one other thing, a, a trick for the guys out there. There's a, there's a jig out there called the Black Moon. We didn't. Uh, your your phone is kind of breaking up funny. We didn't hear what you said. Okay. There, there is a, an ice jig out there by K&E called the Black Moon. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Black Moon? No, not really. Oh, they're just hot. They're, they're a sparkle with a purple, a blue... Uh, kind of greenish. Uh, most people don't know about them. They're hard to find. But, uh, man, do they really smack the fish. They're not your standard oranges and your yellows. They're a little darker with a glitter in it. I know you've seen them, Tom. I, yeah, I have not seen those. Yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, that's a really good ice jig, too, for guys to look for out there. Well, I have to uh, check it out. I have to check it out. Well, listen, Bill, thanks, thanks for calling. Uh, he's Bill Beal over at uh, Sportsman's Den on 54th and Villard. So uh, give him a call if you need some stuff or stop in if you need any live bait and other stuff. Right, Bill? Yeah, we'll take care of you. All righty. Thanks again for calling. Thanks a lot. Take care. Hey, Dan. Yo. I was going to tell you one tip that my son told me that uh, when he's been catching all those crappies, especially the crappies, sometimes the bluegills too, but those crappies are only about a foot to a foot and a half below the ice. They're not down on the bottom. They're right under the ice. And uh, the other guys that were around him where he was fishing, they all agreed the same thing. They were all right under the ice. Yep. That's You know, that's interesting, Tom, because, uh, you know, I've heard different things. Many years ago I fished uh, for walleyes at night, uh, out in about 10 feet of water on the east end of Pewaukee off of uh, Chester Island. And I was with my friend Jerry, and he, he used real light, teeny tiny trebles, uh, light fire line leader. And uh, he would set his uh, little, little minnows, uh, shiners, or whatever we were using, just about a foot under the ice. He wouldn't go way down. Now, the guys out here in the east end, now that I'm talking to, are fishing about a foot off bottom probably in whatever six seven feet of water and i've been catching most of my fish by putting uh, those shiners down pretty pretty deep you know where i'm i'm letting five six feet out of course they swim around so i guess i don't know i guess you just got to try different things see what's working and then like anything when you're hunting or fishing you got to duplicate the pattern so if one yep. thing works you try that with the next one, whether it's how much, many feet of line out for your line counter reel, trolling a certain crankbait, or whatever. you got to be able to find those patterns and make it happen. Yep, be like a Boy Scout. Be prepared for anything. Well, that's all I got tonight, or today, Danny. <laughs> that's all I got, Tom. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Go out, do something nice for someone, my friends. We'll talk to you all next week.
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.